Hey, it's me, Alex Schmidt. As you know, this podcast is patron-supported. It depends on you going to sifpod.fun, joining in the fun, being someone who makes this whole podcast possible. Anyway, on top of that system, I decided to affiliate this podcast with a company that's doing something special. The company is called Libro.fm. Libro.fm sells audiobooks, and they do it differently than the one giant corporation that probably sells you audiobooks right now. Libro.fm partners with more than 1,300 local bookstores in the U.S. and Canada and a few other countries. What happens is when you buy an audiobook from Libro.fm, part of the purchase price goes to that local independent bookstore near you. You probably have a favorite one in mind. They are probably a partner of Libro.fm. So shop through them. Help your bookstore. Everybody wins. And when I say everybody wins, I mean it, because by partnering with Libro.fm, I can offer you a deal. Use code SIFPOD at checkout to get two audiobook credits for the price of one. Those credits never expire. Those credits can go toward any of more than 150,000 audiobooks in the Libro.fm catalog. And that code helps me. That code helps me keep doing this podcast in the first place. If you're a longtime listener, you've probably heard me talk about Libro.fm before. They're the only company I've affiliated or partnered this podcast with. Also, this podcast depends on patrons, so I make sure patrons get an ad-free, promotion-free experience. If, if you'd prefer that, if you'd like episodes with none of this kind of stuff, head to sifpod.fun, become someone who backs this show, and gets a ton of benefits on top of that. So please consider doing that and making this podcast possible. And in the meantime, please enjoy a whole new episode. Faith, known for being a color, famous for being boring. Nobody thinks much about it, so let's have some fun. Let's find out why beige is secretly incredibly fascinating. Hey there, folks. Welcome to a whole new podcast episode. A podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm not alone. For the third time in as many colors, I am joined by two of my favorite people. Adam Todd Brown is the creator, host, proprietor, all-knowing, all-seeing leader of the Unpopular Opinion Podcast Network. That is one of my favorite things for your ears, just period. And I'm particularly excited about their recent stuff on California in the pandemic. And then Jeff May is a frequent guest and sometimes host on that network. Adam and Jeff co-host a great show called You Don't Even Like Sports, because uh, I hear the two of them do not even like sports. That's what I hear. And since we last met, Jeff May has launched a whole new podcast of his own, it's called Jeff Has Cool Friends. It's great interviews with people in the comic books world and the pop culture world. And so there are many links in the show links for this episode because Adam and Jeff are people you should always be hearing and checking out. Also, I've gathered all of our zip codes and used internet resources like native-land.ca to acknowledge that I recorded this on the traditional land of the Catawba, Eno, and Shikori peoples. Acknowledge Adam recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino Artongva and Keech and Chumash peoples. Acknowledge Jeff recorded this on the traditional land of the Gabrielino Artongva and Keech and Chumash and Fernandeño Tadaviam peoples. And acknowledge that in all of our locations, native people are very much still here. That feels worth doing on each episode. And today's episode is about beige. In the past, Adam and Jeff have joined me to cover the color gray, which is one of the least popular colors, and to cover the color blue, which might statistically be the most popular color. This episode is about taking a background color, a default color, a color that, that maybe your walls are, even though you never think about it. We're trying to take that color and make you fascinated by it, help you see the ways it is amazing. We'll also touch on there being a racial valence to beige if you decide that 
the people who are considered white are also beige. I, I, I can see that there. We really don't focus on it. We focus on objects and things and a universe that are literally beige. So that's what we're talking about. And I think it's an amazing episode. Let's let you hear it. Please sit back or reboot your beige 1990s PC because its screen is doing a blue thing in a bad way. Either way, here's this episode of Secretly Incredibly Fascinating with Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Test, test, test. Wow. I think, I think otherwise we're good. Just, you guys just want to get into it? Yeah, I'll, I'll get into oh, it. Oh, yeah. We I got a lot of f***ing feelings on beige, pal. I sure do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was a person that fuming. We used thinking about this. We used to we used to call a a kid from our high school. We used to call him beige, not to his face, (laughs) but he was just the most boring. We were like, oh, I look forward to hearing a nice tale about khaki pants and plain unbuttered toast from this mother. (laughs) You are raring to talk about beige. Either of you can go first with how you feel about it. I mean, we're pretty close to being beige. So that that's a that's a pretty that's a that, that kind of nails it, you know? Yeah, that makes yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm not a fan of the color like on clothing generally. Like I, I don't I, I despise khaki pants. Really? I don't hate a pair of khakis, but I think that is almost exclusively the only purpose of beige anymore. I guess on a wall it's fine if you don't like a white wall and you want a beige wall, but other than that it feels like a color we could probably retire. And I don't think anyone, like it'd be like 15 years and we'd be like, what happened to beige? Remember that? Yeah. yeah. It would be like, imagine if you were like a second grade teacher and you were doing icebreakers with the kids and you were asking everyone their favorite color and some kid goes beige. You would immediately call like the school therapist and be like, there's something going on with this kid. Agreed. Like we got to, we got to, we got to do an early intervention because this mother or said beige <laughs> no it the the color it reminds me of like everything about like what it reminds me of is always like kind of bleak where i'm like you know mm. beige like a desert yeah it it feels old to me it feels either old like one of the pictures you sent us was an old landline phone like that's what i imagine yeah. beige and it also feels like if there were like six phones that you could buy and they were all different colors, the beige one would be the one you get for free for signing a contract. And then everything else, they'd be like, no, you have to pay for yeah. the red one. Are you crazy? But you can have this yeah. beige monster. They were like per- yeah. perfect for sad offices. Yeah. And also as a side note, if you've ever gotten a little piss on you, khaki pants are a real betrayer. Oh. Yeah. Khaki, like if you ever like, if you're, if you're done peeing and you do the shake and you get a little on those khaki pants are just like, Hey, everybody, guess what this guy just did. <laughs> um, I can handle a khaki, uh, a khaki short in the summer. <laughs> you dork. I, I will say that a, a pair of khaki shorts, I will accept as like the, okay, fine. Yeah. Now yeah. is it, are they shorts or are they courts, which are cargo shorts, obviously. I, you know, I've I've pulled away from cargo shorts since I stopped being twenty one. No, no, um, no. I'm I'm off board. I think I think <laughs> cargo shorts are wrongly demonized. If I can't wear like if I can't carry a purse, then I need that storage somewhere else. And that's fair. I I just don't have enough stuff that I bring out with. I have a phone, wallet, keys, and that that covers it for get, me. Get like more got, stuff. Get some beige stuff. <laughs> Yeah, get a big croissant in my big fat cargo pocket. My other beige thing is when I was a zoo tour guide and the uniform was either a blue or a green like zoo uniform shirt. And then everything else was beige. Like your shorts or pants needed to be beige. If you wore a hat, it needed to be beige. It was like, here's the, sh- the uniform and you can go find whatever shorts, pants, hat fit your needs as long as it's one color. It's a work color. Beige yeah. is the official color of a job. Yeah, where you're, you're like, if you're gonna, your phones at work are beige. The yeah. walls at work are beige. You're, if you have an outfit, it's probably beige with some sort of polo shirt that's like a, a different color. Of beige, like it's all, it, it's all, it is the official color of part-time jobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Once you get benefits, everything turns black or silver somehow. It's just like a wash, like the Wizard yeah, of Oz. They, they br- they yeah. bring you in. Yeah. They bring you in. They're like, you can put on a, you can wear some gray pants. Yeah. This time. Get that Raiders jersey. <laughs> a nice, a nice silver and black Raiders jersey. Casual Friday. I'll stick to the khakis. Thank you. <laughs> and the CEO in the Raiders stuff is like, whatever you want, chunk, chunk, chunk. That's how they walk all the metal and everything. <laughs> the pants just got to be chain mail. What? Yeah. If you. <laughs> Uh, there's a store at Universal, uh, at the, the Universal City Walk that's, uh, it's called like Raider Image, <laughs> like a sharper image thing, but it's just a Raiders <laughs> store. And I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, no. this must, like, there must be riots here every week. <laughs> Raider Image. God, I'm just thinking of sharper image Raiders stuff now. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a, a knife that cleans the blood off of it. <laughs> Self-cleaning. Man, I one time when I was an Uber driver, I had a guy ask me if I liked football. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm from New England. And he was a Raiders fan. And so he's like, F you, you effing cheater. And I was like, oh, you must have misunderstood what I said. I didn't play for the team. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm judging by your look that you didn't either. So, like, please stop. (laughs) <laughs> like he tried and it, like he literally like tried to fight me to the point where I'm like, I think we probably should end this drive because I don't feel safe with a Raiders fan in the car, let alone one that's angry. at me. Yeah. Imagine right. that. <laughs> angry Raiders fan. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's like putting it. a hat on a hat. Yeah. Right, a skull helmet on another skull helmet. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also I feel like it's indicative of how beige works that we we started talking about black and silver pretty quickly we were like any any other <laughs> neutral color that's cooler please <laughs> are there yeah that's like i remember like the padres had beige uniforms for a while and i was like why would you make yeah. this worse for the people of san diego yeah they somehow <laughs> they like, went from the ugliest brown and yellow uniforms to like an even more disappointing color scheme yeah, like like beige oh. and navy and then they're like but on fun days we'll wear camo and we're like, what yeah. the f- is happening here? Yeah, like the Adrian yeah. Gonzalez the, era. They had those even worse yeah. beige unis. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The yeah the Khalil Green years, I like to call. <laughs> yes. I will say, uh, in Albuquerque, everything is beige. Also, that is just a beige town. Oh, All sure the houses, is. none of the house, because none of the houses are really painted. They have like that. It's like a Adobe kind of a vibe. Adobe yeah. mud bricks or whatever they're building houses with in Albuquerque, Albuquerque. looks like you'd expect it to look. Yeah. Like if I told you picture Albuquerque, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you nailed it. What if there was a yes. New Mexico in the United States? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it would go a little something like this. <laughs> Beige, beige, beige. <laughs> it is. It, it is. is really... All the houses are the same color in Albuquerque. It's crazy. Yeah, they're 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 mm. off shades of white. Like people just go into like Home Depot and then they pick whatever. Like they of the there's only three palette swatches uh, <laughs> at the Home Depot paint section. Beige, off beige, or light beige. Yeah. Do you want beige or creme? Like, <laughs> the same. I was going to ask as a last thing about the color, if you guys see beige as a range of tans and pales, because I feel like a lot of things are beiges, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're all the same. Yeah, it's all just the shade of an egg you get at a farmer's market. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah, it's for me. I, I recognize that there are like different shades of beige. Like I have two pairs of pants that are mildly different, but. They're both beige. I think I actually nowadays probably call beige khaki more than anything because I just don't ever see it on anything but clothes anymore. So I just kind of refer to it as khaki now. Even if it was a beige shirt, I'd be like, that's a khaki shirt. Like if Mm. if someone called it beige, I'd be like, is this 1930? Yeah. Are you Crayola? (laughs) What are you doing? Thanks for, thanks for the new word, Mildred. Never even heard beige before. Yeah, be- beige is definitely one of those things where, it, like, if you start saying that name to me and I'm not prepared, I will be asleep by the time you finish the word. <laughs> You'll be like, Bay, I'm like, Beignets? 
And like, no, beige. And I'll be like, oh, you really, yeah. you shyamalan me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Bay, are we going to talk about Beyonce? Nope. I'm out. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> Bay watch. <laughs> There's a Baywatch channel on Pluto TV, FYI. Ah. Are there enough seasons for that? There are a million episodes. Oh, There's an good. American Gladiators uh, channel and an Unsolved Mysteries channel. If you're ever looking to kill time with the old school TV uh, vibe, Pluto TV is the way to go. There's a whole, like, Pluto TV is clearly like a TV channel, uh, uh, like a network that's designed for people that just don't want to pay for cable but like there's all these like there's a bunch of commercials for uh insurance for doctors or like banking for doctors and i'm like i have a feeling oh. doctors aren't watching on uh the pluto channel Weird. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think doctors are going for this i feel like they can afford cable they might uh use it in their offices yeah because cable yeah. in a commercial establishment is super f- expensive what if all the commercials started with stop walking through your own waiting room doctor like just trying to lure them in <laughs> for the moment they're walking the patient out. Like just rolling yeah, those yeah. dice. <laughs> hey, real quick, that real would be quick. Funny. Hey, 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 stop real quick. You need a bank? You have one? Okay, fine. Well, I, uh, we have a bunch of stuff here about beige, and I think we can get into the first chunk of it because on every episode of First Fascinating Thing about the topic is a quick set of fascinating numbers and statistics in a segment called Mode to the Left If Your Scatter Plots Regressed. Mean it to the right if you're running a T-test. Samples to the front. Uh, uh, do rounding. Ha, see, yeah, stats time. Can I say something right now? Spice Girls riff. Spice Up Your Life is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, that is the best Spice Girls song by far. It might be one of the best girl group songs of all time. You know, when everybody like lumps them all together between that and Cruel Summer by Bananarama. I'm, I'm, you know, those two, (laughs) they're, they're top of the game. Yeah. Spice up your life. I'm going to listen to that song. Like as soon as we're done recording. If you're having a good time. (laughs) Colors of the world. Which is beige. Spice up your life. Everybody. I love, I love a song where you can hear the British accent when they're singing. Very rare. Yeah. Spice oh. up your life. Not like Eric Clapton's lion ass. <laughs> yeah. Just, just running around. Twas I who shot the sheriff, man. Yeah. Saying all that like, is not. All, all British and racist, but then you hear him singing a song. Would you know my. It's like, shut up. That's not what you sound like. <laughs> yeah. You're racist. Anyway, beige. Oh, yeah. You had stats, right? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being so on board with that song. That was from at PD Thorn on Twitter. Thank you, buddy. And we have a new name for this segment every week. Please submit to SipPod on Twitter or to SipPod at gmail.com. That was from Spice Up Your Life. I was nervous I was not going to do it accurate enough. And you guys were like, I'm masters of this song. I know exactly what's coming. This is very, this is very good. You, can, yep. yeah, you don't bring that Feels to great. my yard and expect me not to mow it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the first number here is 1874. That's a year. 1874. According to Merriam-Webster, that's the first known English use of the word beige as a color. It's a loan word from French. It was a French word for fabric made from undyed sheep's wool. And then it made its way over to English in the 1800s. It's just, the, it's the color of dirty wool. I was just yes. going to say, it's <laughs> like, normally white, right? That's gross. Like, that's, a yeah. pre- that's, a pretty, that's a pretty fantastic uh, endorsement of the color. Yeah, it's the color of uh, dirt, dirty farm garbage. <laughs> Because I think That's I'm thinking horrifying. back to the the gray episode. I think like relatively clean wool becomes gray clothing. So I guess you get beige from like the worse wool where the sheep was not from taken care of. Piss wool, yeah, <laughs> it's piss wool. Yeah, sheep pissing on other sheep. <laughs> Jellyfish sting. Big shower party going on over there in the sheep town, USA. <laughs> So I also I was thinking about ranges of beiges, and I was like, okay, what is the dictionary definition of this color? Because we can't like show people a swatch on a podcast. But Merriam-Webster says the dictionary definition is a variable color averaging light grayish, yellowish brown. So even yellow got How in can... there, right? Like it's, they are, they it's the are cowardly. <laughs> Merriam-Webster yeah. is cowardly because they opened with variable. You yeah. have a spine, yeah. Merriam-Webster. This is why no one buys your books anymore. <laughs> Commit to the bit. Also, ranges of beiges would be a great band name or a good nickname for the GOP. Can I say something real quick? 
I think it would be a very bad band name, actually. Because <laughs> who, who would pay money to see that? It's <laughs> a funny name. You, sure, it's funny, but everyone's just like, it makes me think of khaki shopping. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Next number here is another year. This is the 1960s. And the 1960s is when UNESCO relocated a beige Egyptian temple to New York City. Man. So there's a whole elaborate story here. Uh, the, that sounds a whole, elaborate. A whole temple? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that that wasn't necessary. Yeah, you can just rebuild that. It tur- like it turns out may, it, maybe it's kind of okay. I don't know if they would rather just still have it in the country of Egypt. But this was the Temple of Dender which was more than 2,000 years old, and it was kind of on the banks of the Nile River. And by the 1920s, the course of the river had shifted, and so the temple was flooding nine months out of the year. Mm. Uh, And what that also meant is the water was removing any paint or any color from the walls. And so, like, the river sort of blasted the temple until it was beige, just completely the color of of the rock. That's interesting because Dender actually translates to piss wool. Uh, if you look it up so that makes that actually all tracks mm. and makes perfect sense it, it seems so we just took like a like a like a broken temple and we're just like throw it in new york city we need more stuff yeah more or less yeah yes yeah, is it in a museum yeah like did we just move the temple to like where is it like because you just new york city's not small like it's just in some like random corner in queens I, what happened is unesco which is part of the u.n decided to take it piece by piece to the United States. And then it was up to Lyndon Johnson where it would go from there. And he picked the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And so you can go see it at the Met. You can see this like pieces of a a beige Egyptian temple. They've also done an exhibit called Color the Temple where they use light projectors to like add the colors of the paint they think were there before the, the Nile made it beige. So this wasn't being this this wasn't being used, right? No, yeah, it's like ancient Egyptian, yeah. Because so that would we, suck if like yeah. people were using it and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna move it to New York City." It'll be I fine. mean, <laughs> there's some Egyptians in New York; they could probably figure it out. Um, which museum is it? Uh, the Met. Yeah. Okay. So it's in Manhattan, I was, like the, I think the East Side of Manhattan. And for a second, I thought you said it was in the the Museum of Modern Art, and I was just like, "Oh, that's not modern." <laughs> i got like really confused for a split second so i'm glad it's at the met yeah <laughs> i also remember like like there was certainly this pocket of time like the late 1800s into like the mid 1900s where we had this like crazy obsession with egypt right and people were like eating mummies and shit. yeah <laughs> yeah that's so that's so crazy to me that people were just like we'll just eat the mummy and they were like that's a damn good idea because it was like crazy in the late 1800s they were excavating the shit out of Egypt. Yeah, that's wh- oh, that's yeah. why like that's why the Karloff movie even exists uh, was because like there was an obsession with mummies. Oh yeah, I think the Victorians, right? Like Victorian England was all about those dinners you talked about, Jeff. Where it's like a little piece mm-hmm. of mummy mm-hmm. with the played a Bring huge meat probably because it's the eighteen hundreds. Want to do that? Yeah. Anybody want to get gout and and a curse in the same meal? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they, they when they talk about like mummies curses and stuff. It's like I don't know, man. A lot of mummies ate mummies, and they kind of came out of it fine, <laughs> right? Like other mummies just looking at the guest list from a party. Like I have to do him. I have to do her. I have to do him. Okay, I'll hit her on the way back. All right, uh, like, <laughs> like some some John Wick level like hit list <laughs> where it's just this mummy missing a bunch of fingers. Yeah. Wanting to go after some rich Victorian a-holes. <laughs> That's how you remake The Mummy. You don't do Tom Cruise or whatever. Let's get that. Yeah. No. We need a <laughs> shuffling mummy taking out Victorian cannibals. <laughs> the uh, last number here is eight times per year. Eight times per year. And that is how often the U.S. Federal Reserve publishes what it calls the Beige Book. And, and I found out about this from The Indicator from Planet Money. It's an amazing show they do about finance news and everything else. But there is something called the Beige Book that the Fed puts out. The Fed is the central bank of the United States. Have either of you read or seen the Beige Book? Really? 
<laughs> uh, Jeff borrowed mine and didn't give it back. So look at me. Look at behind me. It's just all these comic books right here. And you're like, have you read the beige book? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I got sequin curtains I behind have $40 me. Forty dollars in my bank account. You think I'm gonna be like, what's going on in the world of finance? Like, I gotta make sure I protect my yacht. I had a friend in jail once who subscribed to the Rob Report. I don't know if you've ever seen the Rob Report, but it's a magazine about like yachts and airplanes and $60,000 cigars. It's like, you think someone's going to put that on your books? Yeah, that's somebody somebody that like is really trying to secret something that's not going to happen. I had a friend that would do this. He he got the Rob Report and I was like, why do you have this? He's like, you look at the things you want. I'm like, you want a helicopter? (laughs) Why? You live in Arlington, Mass. <laughs> so what is the beige book? It is. So the the beige book is it's something that the Fed uses to make its decisions. So the Fed as a central bank of the U.S. They set monetary policy in particular interest rates. I know this all sounds very thrilling, but they have eight meetings a year where they decide if they'll change the interest rates and do other things. So the various banks that make up the Fed assemble a report of data and also just anecdotes about how things are going economically. And then they compile and publish it in something they call the Beige Book. And it's it's a federal document. You can read it if you want to, to find out what's going on. I, uh, anecdotes seems like a really weird thing to put in there. <laughs> It is. It's like it's like the one time accountants and economists are just grabbing anecdotes. Like it's a thing where these Fed banks call people to see if the numbers they have like line up with what this business is experiencing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like it's like Reader's Digest for money. Yeah, and that just sounds awful. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> the one way this is fun is uh, that the book might be beige because they don't want us to read it. According to Time magazine, the Fed started like compiling this information in the 1970s and they would print it with a red cover. They called it the red book, but it was only for them to see. It was all secret. And then like the magazine our moms got. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Diane Lane was on the cover. And right. uh, yeah, sure. 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 <laughs> they should just. Well, if the, yeah, if they don't want us to read it, keep it beige. I was going to say yeah. the best way to get us to read it. Like draw a little cartoon d- or something. That'd be funny. Or like a far side cartoon. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anything. Put a little far side cartoon on there. You got me diving in. Yeah. See what good old Gary Larson's been up to. <laughs> Linda, and what happened is in 1983, there's a guy named Walter Fontroy, who was the District of Columbia delegate to the House of Representatives, like the non-voting delegate from D.C., he successfully lobbied for the Fed to start publishing this information publicly, and the Fed agreed to do it, but also immediately changed the cover from red to beige. Mm. And so Time argues that's probably because they wanted to make it more secret, even though they had to release it. The Indicator by Planet Money, they do shows called the Beige Awards, where they pick the most interesting story they feel from the beige book. So they cover that. I think I think we can go from here into the first of three takeaways for the episode. Takeaway number one... The average color of our part of the universe is beige. This is according to astronomers. Wow. That's, that sounds about right. And <laughs> I'm going to need some more information, Alex. Because <laughs> yeah, the, nah. This is, it's a study from coming up on about 20 years ago now. But we've got several sources here, NPR, BBC, Washington Post, and NASA. In 2001, there was a team of astronomers at Johns Hopkins University, and they collected detailed light measurements from more than 200,000 galaxies. They got light measurements from all of them. And then as they were doing that, they said, hey, our goal was to create what we call a cosmic spectrum of all the different colors galaxies can be. If we run like one equation, we can get an average of all the colors and then we'll have like a fun average color of the universe. Wouldn't that be a neat thing to do? No. So they. I'm skeptical. This sounds like <laughs> it sounds like ancient alien theory, where they're like, "No, brown people didn't do anything. It was white time travelers." Calm down. <laughs> oh, you think the globe's getting more diverse? Check out this equation: average color beige, baby. <laughs> Just 
Feels like a slippery slope to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's such a weird thing to do. <laughs> it leads to what happens here where it's kind of sloppy. Because what happened is in January 2002, the astronomers ran the numbers and then like nationally, globally announced that the universe averages out to turquoise. That's way and cooler. And then two months later, they did a new announcement where they said, we messed up the calculations. And the actual answer is the average is beige. Sorry about before. This is all just basically a goof. But the universe averages out to beige. That's like being told you're going to Disneyland and then you get out and you're at the dentist. <laughs> yeah. And also, yeah. how is it not turquoise? Like, the Earth is mostly water. But I guess if they're taking the whole universe The whole thing, account, man. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Fine. Fine. You win, science. <laughs> you beat me this time, NASA. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's based on the different light coming together. So I think it's just that a lot of light trends toward beige it's a very vague idea they came up with who's yeah that uh, seems also, like cheating a little bit they're like you know stars produce light and light's generally beige so you know beige <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and it's like well that doesn't seem fair <laughs> and then the other thing about how they got their answer and then had to redo it npr says quote they had reached their initial conclusion using a piece of free software they had downloaded off the web but the astronomers didn't realize the program used an unusual representation for white, end quote. Did they go on LimeWire to, so. to do science? It was 2002, so yeah, I, I think that's yeah, pretty much were, it. Yeah, they were Napstering science the whole time. <laughs> yeah, did, yeah, so if this software existed, did someone figure this out before them? And they're like, no, 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 no. Let us run that equation. You'll see. It'll be different. <laughs> what, a, what a fun thing to admit, too. So we illegally downloaded a program. It's like, aren't you the government? Can't you just get it? Yeah, we don't. You know, it's, it's red tape or beige tape, as the case may be. Yeah, Johns, Johns Hopkins is not some, like, cash-strapped community college or something. It's doing very well. Uh, they, yeah. they were like, yeah, I think, how I think do they, I steal yeah. some color software from the early internet? That's what I'm going to do. It, it is very funny when, when you, they talk about how, like, higher education is nonprofit. It's like, let me see that endowment real quick before you tell me it's nonprofit. Because <laughs> that seems like you're just lying about what profits are. <laughs> and the other thing with these guys, uh, it's two astronomers. Their names are Ian Baldry and Professor Carl Glazebrook. But the other thing is they, they got this like color answer and then they said, hey, what do we call it? And they went way out of their way to not call it beige. They were like, we got to do everything we can to come up with a name for this universal color that's not beige, because beige is boring. And so they reached out to colleagues. Did they just come up with the word starlight? Because that just <laughs> seems like an easy answer that I got in the three seconds. That, that would have covered it, yeah. How about Earth Tone? Hey, there we go. Planets. Yeah, yeah. Right. I had a guy at a job once tell me he didn't like me because I wore earth tones. And it was, it, to this day, is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And I wanted to fight him. I still want to fight him. I remember, it's like, ridiculous. I was on a game show and they were like, they were like, wear jewel tones. And I went, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> jewel tones. What's a, yeah, they want you to wear. What's a jewel tone? Jewel tones are like, are like vibrant blues, greens, purples, oh. things that pop on camera. And I'm like, no. I'm not going to do that. Interesting. Mm -mm. I'm not going to dress like I'm at a dance in the 90s. <laughs> On Jeopardy, they said not to wear olive. They said no patterns and no olive. Those were the rules. Usually that's, uh, yeah, like tight patterns, uh, white and red are the ones that they, they try to avoid in, uh, oh. in game shows that aren't like the big one that you were on. <laughs> yeah. You're on Jeopardy and I was on like America Says. <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> Diet family feud ass show. Weirdly though, <laughs> Jeff won way more money than you. Two hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Good. G Game Show Network's got a big endowment. They're the Johns Hopkins of of networks. Yeah. <laughs> now Jeff's buying his own color software. I'm stealing it from LimeWire. Terrible. That's <laughs> how you have to do it. Just riddled with viruses. I wonder what would happen if you re if you tried to open LimeWire on your computer right now. Oh, just wow. melt the computer catch on fire 
Clippy shows up. Hey, I hear you just woke up from a coma. <laughs> Clippy. Mind if I help you reintegrate into society? <laughs> Turns out stealing's wrong. <laughs> we didn't care. <laughs> well, so so these astronomers, Baldry and Glazebrook, they were like, we need a name for this beige color. But they like reached out to colleagues and in the in the message they said, quote, suggestions for the name are welcome as long as it is not beige, exclamation point. They said very specifically, do not give us beige. And then these jerks, what they did is they got a bunch of suggestions from their friends. They held a poll among their friends and then they just overrode the poll completely. So the winning pick was Cappuccino Cosmico. Which I admit is weird. That's fine. That is That's, such a um, 2002 ass thing to do. Yeah. Like that is the sole yeah. patch of names. <laughs> How many coffee shops with that name popped up in the five years after this happened? Right, right. When, so they, they also overrode Cosmic Cream, <laughs> Astronomer Almonds, and Skyvery, <laughs> which are all very silly as well. Skyvery <laughs> is, is so amazing. good. Skyvery is so good. <laughs> Whoever overrode Skyvery should go straight yeah. to hell. Yeah, that's a fireable offense right there. Uh, oh man, that is a yeah, that's yeah. one of history's greatest ball drops right there. <laughs> Skyvery, Skyvery. Oh, put it in. Yeah, my I veins. don't even remember what the other options were after you said Skyvery. Yeah, Skyvery. nothing else. Nothing else Matt, has existed before. I don't know. Skyvery. We could maybe what? revisit Astronomer Almond. <laughs> that that to me i'm like mm, what do you guys how much do you guys think we care about you <laughs> yeah it's, it's not the 1700s anymore do they think they're like the bikers of of uh scientists <laughs> they're putting on their little beige leather jackets yeah <laughs> skyvery is so good but so the the name that these guys just overrode their friends to pick is another coffee when they went with cosmic latte Oh, and so now if you look it up on astronomy picture of the day or other sites, the average color of our part of the universe is called cosmic latte, even though it's really beige and they were just trying to work around it. No, it's skyvery. Uh, it's skyvery. Yeah. Skyvery is really good. Yeah. Let <laughs> it's, it's let it, science like, know we, they have been overridden. And also cosmic latte is somehow even worse than the cappuccino one for being dated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they might as well have called it like Tanfeld. And you're like, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't work for like something like, like ridiculously like 2002. Space mouth. Like, nope, that's not. I don't know. I don't remember what happened in 2002. After 9 11, it was all a blur because I was on the run. Beige would have been good too. Space like would have been space Space. Yeah. That's better. Beige yeah. watch. <laughs> beige watch. <laughs> All right. Off of that, we're going to a short break, followed by the big takeaways. See you in a sec. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! It's hard to explain what happens on Jordan Jesse Go. So, I had my kids do it. Saying swear words. Saying swear words. Yeah, um, bad jokes. Bad jokes? Bad jokes. Maybe it's like you tell people that you're going to interview them, and then you just stay there, like, like really quiet and try and creep them out. <laughs> it's just really boring. 
Because of Jordan, right? Not me. Because of both of you. Oh. Subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go, a comedy show for grown-ups. Well, uh, I think from here we got uh, the second of three takeaways for the show. Takeaway number two. Beige was the first modern military camouflage. And this is really going to lead us into talking about the origin of khaki. I'm glad we talked about khaki before as being in the family of the beiges. I guess that is another thing I associate beige with. Like whenever I see beige military uniforms, I'm like, oh, you fight in like the desert and shit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny that you said the modern military because that essentially means like once we started fighting for oil. Yep. Uh, exactly. This is like once yeah. once we had to adapt to fighting for oil instead of fighting to prevent communism, we had to make a shift. Yeah. Or <laughs> fighting no for jungle ju- oil to be yeah, fair. Yeah. No. No more jungle colors. We got to go straight to the. F-ing, we got to do skyvery <laughs> from now on. So it's odd because when I, when I say modern, I mean like the mid eighteen hundreds, but it's because. Britain was colonizing places in or near places where we would get oil later. Like, like it's the same. It's just they wanted to colonize everything. That that's why they. It started doesn't doing sound it. like Britain. Yeah, it's so much more embarrassing <laughs> to get conquered by someone in a pith helmet, right? <laughs> bruv, bruv, give me your country, bruv, bruv. <laughs> me's got wide britches, bruv. <laughs> My country now in it, in it. Me's Panama Jack in it. It, Roy, if you guys can get those British people out of the room and get back on the mic, I would really like to continue. Oi, piss the off, podcast. Those were perfect voices. I assume it's real British people. Uh, <laughs> Me's from Birmingham. <laughs> hey, I'm back. I like to, Sorry, I like to watch foot. Get out of here, you 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 British bastard. Yeah, wow. go watch footy. <laughs> Or is that Boy. Australians call it footy? I think maybe. No, yeah, I we should invite those guys back in find out. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, hello there. Was somebody calling about something? Hey, let me tell you, we've done awful things as well. Don't forget us. We're blimey racist. That, are you still British or are you Australian great. now? Oh, that's Australian. Yeah, no, he called Australian. Killer so Australian. I walked in. I thank you very that much. That voice is reminding me that I think we had to wear like tan shorts for the zoo tour uniforms, be, partly because of uh, the crocodile hunter influencing it. You know, oh. like <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, that made a made a sharp turn around 06. Yeah, because <laughs> he died on TV. Yeah, beige is a stingray's favorite color. He didn't know. Yeah, that. they get they, well. No, it's their least favorite. They get <laughs> they get so angry about it. I, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Jeff's right. I got it wrong. They should call him sting beige. What if he, I've never seen him in scuba or wetsuit stuff, but I hope it was exactly the same as his on land outfit. Just a water version. Scuba, sh- he was wearing scuba shorts. Yeah. Like little tight, tight little tan scuba shorts. Yeah, yeah. Tan snorkel and like, yeah. He was such a good dude. Yeah. Seems like a good dude, yeah. R.I.P. But so yeah. our our main source for the, the beige camouflage, uh, it's a book called The Secret Lives of Color by Cassia St. Clair, cultural historian, design journalist. She helped with the other two color episodes as well. Yeah, I was going to say, you've, you've referenced this book a lot. Yeah. What's she paying you? I, <laughs> nothing. And I should pay her. She's great. Wow. Uh, you are a... You are a... Fool. Sponsored f- podcast. Yeah, given f- f- free mm. copy yeah. to this book. It's a good book. I'm really pushing it, yeah. But this is this is where the word khaki comes from. The word khaki is borrowed from Urdu, and it's the Urdu word for dusty, because uh, it was re- used to refer to cloth, usually for military clothing, that was first used in modern day Pakistan. This was this was the British Empire in the mid eighteen hundreds. Well, it's a dick move to take Urdu and use it to describe the color. Yeah, like that's a, that's like an that's like colonizing a word. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, the guy credited with using it in military uniforms is Sir Harry Lumsden of the British Army. He organized a military unit in Peshawar in modern-day Pakistan. And what he did is he bought up a bunch of yards of white cotton cloth and then ordered it to be soaked and rubbed with mud. Had a sheep piss all over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> soaked in sheep's piss. Loyal army sheep just saluting and then beginning to urinate. Like, yes, sir. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like those old barnyard commandos toys that we had in the 80s. 
I have a feeling that I am uh, directly in the middle of Alex not knowing what that is because he's too young, and Adam not knowing what that is because he's too old. <laughs> that, that's accurate about me. Barnyard Commandos? Anyone? No? Yeah, I don't just, really remember just, Barnyard yeah. Commandos. <laughs> Literally just me? Cool, cool, cool. All right. Sorry, man. <laughs> you know what, though? That reference is only for a very specific pocket of your listenership that is going to be very happy that I said it. I expect tweets about it. So they so they took the white cotton cloth, and rubbed it in mud from the local river. Uh, Sir Lumsden hoped that it would quote make them invisible in a land of dust. End quote. Smart. This is the first time in organized military history that that a unit devised an official uniform that blended into the landscape. That was the first time. Yeah. Well, I mean, before that, we were all marching around with drummers and. Sh- during war it's like you can't yeah, I know, sneak but... up on someone with a flautist in but here's tow. the thing we're saying we but like that was very much like the british and i think we could have handled them losing a few that would yeah. have been nice yeah uh, yeah like like i'm not gonna be too stoked i'm like ah oh, that's how the british took india yeah this is Yikes. truly the the next step of the story is there's a major indian uprising in 1857 and 1858 and the british army in india just adopts this uniform because it worked real good to fight it like they it, this was immediately used to oppress india yeah it sure did yeah the jewel of the crown yep as they call it just queen victoria being glad she has it not good Dude, I had um, I had a I took an Indian history specific course like that was just that when I was um, when I was in college. And like the the professor was like, they called it the jewel of the crown because Britain is evil. (laughs) It was just like this, like kind of like hippie in Maine that was just like they called it this because they are scum. Right. (laughs) And I I was like, I accept this description. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't have that other kind of American teacher where they're like, and then the British took literal jewels from India because the Indians really didn't want them. You know, like that kind of <laughs> horrible teacher. <laughs> uh, the size of a tangerine. <laughs> Michael Caine. Yeah. Man, khaki does not have a lot of good stories behind it. We're starting to piece together. Like it's fascinating, mm. but in a war crimes kind of way. Yeah. Or like a boring yeah. astronomer kind of way. Because I do also <laughs> associate it with Nazis. Like there were there were lots of Nazi uniforms that were beige. The other like step here is that for one thing, there was basically no camouflage before, at least not in a whole unit way. Like like probably individuals figured out here's a hiding spot. I'll put moss over myself or whatever. Yeah, like Rambo. Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, he figured it out. <laughs> yeah, he was actually and- the first. It is funny. <laughs> it, it is funny in that regard that like it took them a while because they were like, "We'll have red coats, so they can't see that we're bleeding." And I was like, "That doesn't seem like a good strategy." Yeah. Like, I get why you came up with it, but that's not like a. What if you prevented the bleeding? <laughs> what about that? Yeah, apparently, because before these khaki uniforms, most militaries wanted to have the opposite and have super bright, colorful unis. It made it clear who was on your side, especially if the smoke from guns and cannons was everywhere. Uh, it also made your army look bigger from a distance if the if the unis were bright. It, there was also just like the encouragement of getting a cool uniform if you join the military. Hell yeah. So there were a bunch Looking of like reasons. A highlighter. Yeah. <laughs> like a highlighter with a musket. <laughs> I can see I can see the point of wanting the people on your side to stand out just because of the way we were fighting wars back then. Like you were just kind of approaching and everyone's shooting at each other. There is going to be a lot of smoke and whatnot. Yeah. That's why you have scouts. I think that's why they had scouts to be like, those are the guys we have to shoot over there. But then (laughs) you're going to, those people, then you're going to, you're going to mix it up. There's going to be some melee. Right. I mean, I feel like, especially like if you're invading India and, and you're England, you can figure it out. How about you and I build an army each? Right. I don't hate that. And then we will take them to the streets and see who's more successful. Taking it to the street. To Folks, you're going to want to use code ATB at checkout to join Adam's army. And then code Jeff May gets you in Jeff's army, whichever one you want to use. Uh, but that's 15% off joining the army. Uh, just to set that up. Yep. Yeah. I want you to die for no reason for me. <laughs> for a riff at a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's what's right. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> it's the least people could do, I think, is the way to put it. <laughs> well, and the, Bare minimum. And so 
khaki here, like the British army in India starts using it in the 1860s, 70s, especially. And then there's a last flip where the turn of the century and then especially World War One, it's it's basically just armies are camouflaged forever now. Because at the turn of the 20th century, you get planes for reconnaissance. You also get smokeless guns. So at that point, you start to lose a lot of the bright uniform advantages. And then in World War One, uh, just sort of that was such a brutal war that everybody figured out the more khaki you wear and the less color you wear, the more likely you are to live. It, it's it just ended brightly colored uniforms. Uh, Cassia St. Clair also says khaki was so new at the time that the Germans were surprised to see the British in it. They thought they would be in red uniforms or like fun feathers and bear skins and stuff like 1800s armies had. So it was a really cutting What's, edge piece of technology in World War One. <laughs> what the hell is up with that boring army over there? Yeah. <laughs> Why is it so boring all of a sudden? That's crazy. <laughs> They are here to uh, apparently read books alone or something. Like, I don't know why you show up dressed like that. You look stupid. <laughs> and yeah, and then khaki became shorthand for, like, being a soldier in World War One. There were recruitment posters saying, quote, why aren't you in khaki? There were music hall songs referencing it. Uh, and then also Cassia St. Clair says that if there were young women who were see, who seemed to be like way too into soldiers and crushing on soldiers too hard, they were described as having khaki fever. That was the term in World War One for like ladies being too into the troops. I always um, thought khaki was um, not so much a color as much as it was a fabric. For the longest oh, time, I yeah. thought khaki was like a style of clothing as opposed to a color. So they'd be like, oh, that person's wearing like olive khakis. Yeah. I agree with that. Hey, when you were um, when you were researching this, how how tempted were you to talk about like the the nineteen nineties swing revival <laughs> to talk about like all the Gap khaki commercials? We're like, remember when khakis and white t shirts were like the sh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I I think I'll take us into the last takeaway of the main episode because the bonus is all nineties, baby. Nineties uh, and the the adjoining decades. It's gonna be all nineties beige. It's gonna be great. I sure hope those of you listening subscribe to the Patreon so you can get that bonus content. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, here we go into takeaway number three. Beige teamed up with blue in George Washington's fashion show resume. And I'm sort of saying that a fun way, but one more time. Beige teamed up with blue in George Washington's fashion show resume. He wore those two colors to get the job of running the Continental Army. That's how he did it. Just that's okay. it. There, nothing else to it. He just wore Man. a little bit. Man, there blue. were not a lot of rules to become a general back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's a few sources here, especially the Smithsonian and the Metropolitan Museum of Art, because they have useful paintings of Washington wearing this stuff. The before the Re American Revolution started. George Washington was not like the automatic choice to command the army. He was a leading candidate, but there were guys like John Hancock and Charles Lee who also wanted to do it. Uh, the things Washington had going for him was the Adamses both supported him. He had fought in the British army and he lived in Virginia. They wanted, they wanted an experienced guy and also a guy who Virginians would be like, he's one of us. Great. But the thing was Washington wanted to win the job. And in 1774, he organized a Virginia militia company called the Fairfax Independent Company of Volunteers. And as part of that, they came up with their own uniform. And there was like kind of a revolution coming. So they didn't want to do a British uni. uni and so they came up with a blue coat and a beige kind of everything else underneath it. And that's how it looks. And like I say, you guys are painting of him wearing it. It's just sort of that deal. You, you sent us that painting, and one of the things that I was very happy about was that the portrait seemed accurate because he has, like, kind of a gut. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, good for them because, like, I know, like, I think it was, like, Louis XIV uh, looks nothing like his paintings because they always painted him very fit, but he was oh, not yeah. that. Um, <laughs> and so, like, with this Washington one, I'm like, man, if they put that gut in that painting, that means that they went whole hog for real realism in there. And I'm happy about that. He looks like a tall kind of fat guy. Yeah. Like, like, like some, some power forwards, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I, I really like that it was like an honest portrait. I hate that technology has moved us away from that time 
like we're describing now where if you were planning a revolution, you could be casual enough about it to like meet up about your uniforms and get those printed up first. Like imagine Mm. going to print uniforms for a revolution in the United States. Now the FBI (laughs) would blow your car up with a rocket propelled grenade. I'm like, that's how we got some of the people from the January insurrection was that they brought (laughs) uniforms. Yeah, sure. Like that's a real thing because they were like, remember they arrested a dude and he was wearing an I was there shirt. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Wow. See, the days we're talking about are gone. The days of colonialism <laughs> were the days that you could have a pep rally about your coming insurrection. And people were like, eh, yeah, man, keep those keep those Tories out of that pep rally. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it was, It's also like just a fun time because like like Washington personally wrote letters about choosing the stuff for this uniform like it's a lot of fashion stuff for for a supposedly macho military dude to be doing but it was different then it was like yeah it's very important that's a reminder that the traditional roles of masculinity are not the way that we think of them back in the past yeah exactly should also say technically Washington referred to this color as buff which is short for buffalo it's sort of referring to like buffalo hide of course he did uh but it was before beige was in English. So did he so. flex when he said it? Sky buff. Sky buff. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, you know, what we call this color buff, and he just started flexing in front of everybody. His biceps rip so his shirt open, shredded except for his painted gut. <laughs> Still got that stupid white hair. He's all f- cut, beady eyes. <laughs> what an idiot! What an idiot yeah. cartoon man. Weird looking guy. He wasn't yeah. real. <laughs> so washington yeah you look at a face like that you'd be like that's a guy that that's a guy who will fight yeah <laughs> you know like you never pick like, that's what they say you never pick a fight with an ugly guy he's got nothing to lose <laughs> that's a good point and so washington he uses his money to get uniforms printed up in 1774 uh, they're this blue and beige outfit that he called blue and buff and then cassia st Clair says quote when representatives from the fledgling United States met at the Second Continental Congress in the summer of 1775, Washington showed up to the meeting wearing his new military outfit, end quote. It was a bull's jersey. (laughs) (laughs) And that This will be America later. He showed up wearing that, and they were like, you're the guy. He did the work, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, he 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 did some arts and crafts. And that that really paid off in the end. It's like it's like when you're voting for people for like, you know, for class president. And you're like, oh, those signs are good, man. Those are good signs. More or less. Yeah. 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 I like to imagine he he walked in and they just leaned over to each other like Washington wore a uniform. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And he's so buff. <laughs> <laughs> so buff. Wouldn't that be funny if the uniform was really stupid? Like it looked like a jester's <laughs> uniform. And everyone's just like, what the f- is up with Washington? Yeah. It's got like a lot of little bells or something. Like it jangles yeah, when he walks. Bells like- yeah. <laughs> we'll defeat these red coats. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I love this tiny chapter of the revolution because this is a thing where Washington, for one thing, signals that he wants the job of running the army by showing up in uniform. Uh, Cassia St. Clair also says that it like helps the Continental Congress think through the fact that they would have an army to have a guy show up in a not British military uniform. Like it just helps you imagine it. Uh, and then like an also, episode of Shark Tank. Yeah, like an episode <laughs> of Shark Tank, essentially. Yeah. You like picture if you will. That's basically what he did Me with his own body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be funny to try that at like a Best Buy or something. <laughs> Going in for an interview there, like like, hello. Got the blue polo, bruh. Got the khakis. Yeah. Just need that name the, tag. You wear a George Washington General's outfit <laughs> to your interview. Can I start today? Yes, I can, obviously. <laughs> no. I'm just back did, from lunch, I, actually. Yeah, I did before I even got here. I answered three questions. <laughs> totally wrong. <laughs> One involved a racial slur. I'm, I'm fired. <laughs> can I start right away? I conquered this Best Buy. I own it now. Yeah. My army has seized it. Uh, with our cannons. <laughs> it's the new continental Best Buy. 
Linda. And then we have a letter from John Adams to his wife, Abigail, quote, Colonel Washington appears at Congress in his uniform, and by his great experience and abilities in military matters is of much service to us. Oh, that I was a soldier, exclamation point. Ooh, John like, Adams they were, was trying to tell his wife some stuff. Mm-hmm. They all had like boners for this. They were really yeah. excited about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, but were it socially acceptable for me to be a dandy? You know, like yeah. he was like really going for it in old timey words, you know? He was telling her he needs a break. Yeah. <laughs> I doth need time. Right. <laughs> to discover myself. I doth pitched uh, an army tent in my own way. <laughs> I went to, <laughs> so I went to the, I remember that reminds me, I went to a, uh, I went to the doctor. Uh, this was like right around when I was a fighter. So I was in pretty good shape. And I went to my, like my childhood doctor. He was like the town doctor. Cause we were from like a podunk town. And I, yeah. I like, so I like kind of like, you know, disrobed and everything. And he was just like, wow, look at that body. And I was just like, <laughs> I can't express enough how uncomfortable this makes me feel. Like, this is not medical. Like, this is, he's like, oh, look at that, look at your, your, your back and your shoulder. And I was just like, this makes me, I'm, whew. That's... Let me tell you. Let me tell you, this makes me feel weird. And not in a good weird. Yeah, yeah. Seeing that Every Day I'm Hustling band. Remember them? Girl, look at that body. Oh. Boy, look at that body. It's the spice world of the 2010s. I don't know. Probably 2000s. <laughs> 1770s, sure. actually. It was Washington's band. Uh, he really <laughs> loved leading it. <laughs> but yeah, and this uh, Washington's outfit, it also becomes what he explicitly chooses for his personal guard. Uh, as the war goes on and the army like organizes more and more, they start to mainly wear blue and beige. And then also the Whig Party in the United Kingdom, because they support American independence, Uh, They start wearing this, and then that dovetails with the stuff we talked about with Grey on the Grey episode about neutral tones becoming men's fashion because of the the UK in the early 1800s. Just Tarantino'd it. All comes together. Right back to where we started. It's like Memento, but a podcast. (laughs) And I know that's not a Tarantino movie. Relax. (laughs) It's a Memento Tarantino movie. Hey. I don't get it. I don't get it. Would Tarantinento have been better? I don't know. <laughs> I'm bad at everything. Issa Tarantini ain't the movie. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Very nice, sir. Huh? Shut up your face and me name a Borat, huh? <laughs> That is the main episode for this week. My thanks to Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May for diving deep on a shallow seeming color. Anyway, I said that's the main episode because there is more secretly incredibly fascinating stuff available to you right now. If you support this show on Patreon.com. Patrons get a bonus show every week where we explore one obviously incredibly fascinating story related to the main episode. This week's bonus topic is two strange phenomena all at once. It is the world's beige technology phase and America's beige home phase. Visit sifpod.fun for that stacked bonus show, for a library of more than three dozen other stacked bonus shows, and to back this entire podcast operation. And thank you for exploring beige with us. Here is one more run through the big beige takeaways. Takeaway number one, the average color of our part of the universe is beige. Takeaway number two, beige was the first modern military camouflage. And takeaway number three, beige teamed up with blue in George Washington's fashion show resume. Those are the takeaways. Also, please follow my guests. They're great. I feel like I talk often about the Unpopular Opinion Podcast Network, uh, you know, how good it is and stuff. I want to talk about it again. It is so well-researched and so funny and just so loaded with shows you're going to like. Adam Todd Brown makes that happen. We'll have a link to the Patreon for you to support it and a link for you to just check out many shows that they have. Please check out Jeff May on Unpopular Opinion as well. You can also find him co-hosting Tom and Jeff Watch Batman with friend of the show Tom Ryman on the Gamefully Unemployed podcast network. 
And big exciting news about Jeff May's new podcast. It's titled Jeff Has Cool Friends. Multiple episodes out now. Both these guys are counting on your direct support to make that stuff possible. So please do that if you possibly can. You get a bunch of cool stuff too. Many research sources this week. Here are some key ones. There has been one source across the three color-based episodes of this podcast. It's called The Secret Lives of Color. It's by Cassia St. Clair. And it's what it sounds like. It's amazing histories and origins of the colors that are all around us. Also going to link a fantastic podcast called The Indicator. That is from Planet Money. Until very recently, a key host there was Cardiff Garcia. A current key host is Stacey Vanek-Smith, but it's a big team. And they do wonderful work with the U.S. Federal Reserve's beige book eight times a year. And then a great piece from NPR's All Things Considered. That's one of several great sources we've got for the story of Cosmic Latte, which is secretly beige and not turquoise. Find those and many more sources in this episode's links at sifpod.fun. And beyond all that, our theme music is Unbroken Unshaven by the Budos Band. Our show logo is by artist Burton Durand. Special thanks to Chris Souza for audio mastering on this episode. Extra, extra special thanks go to our patrons. I hope you love this week's bonus show. And thank you to all our listeners. I am thrilled to say we will be back next week with more Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. So how about that? Talk to you then. <laughs>